very much. Uh, please have a seat. Uh, listening to Jordan talking about the environments, and I thought perhaps we we're environmentalists, but I, I don't don't know that that quite qualifies. I'm just fiddling with my phone, and I see probably you are, but I'm turning on a timer because I'm doing a little bit here, and it says when my timer ends, it's going to play a tune called Uplift. Yeah, I'm not exactly going to stop then, but I'll just know that I'm on the last lap. You will know that too. Uh, is, is your name is Isaiah? No. Were you the guy that was here this morning, just there? Anzac. No, no, that's Anzac. Yeah. <laughs> well, 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 no, no get, get him uh, in a little while. Get him in a little while. Maybe when the timer rings, eh? And we'll do that. Yeah, um, I, I really felt to say a few things um, gathering up from this morning. So I'll do a, just a, a, a kind of a link to, to uh, get us from this morning. There was talk about uh, the kingdom of heaven. And uh, Jill spoke uh, somewhat through the book of Ephesians, as some of you know, that talks about the great and awesome, magnificent God, chapter 1, uh, and it brings it down to earth on the way through to practical things, working through families and relationships, uh, employers and employees, and the Bible is calling that masters and slaves, because that, in those days, was what most of the employers and the employees were, right? And if you weren't too sure about that, you might have been in the military, and that's like being a slave of uh, the Caesar, and uh, all the military just do what they're told. You know, they were people under authority, uh, else you were dead. Now, you might go to battle and be dead, but if you were not under authority, you were dead as well. And they were very clear about this. Uh, they had incredible torture methods, uh, very successful uh, in that whole area. And in those days, they didn't have the Geneva Convention, where anybody stood around and said, those torture methods are unsatisfactory, and we can't have them anymore. And uh, they just... They did it, and, they, and that was amazing civilization, control the world. Uh, there were, so they understood about kingdoms, they understood about power, they understood about authority, they understood about the culture that comes in when Rome does its thing. And when, when Rome would go to somewhere else, like Israel, uh, in those days called uh, Palestine, actually they weren't called Palestine when they first went there, it's only called Palestine after they knocked the temple down and, and yeah, kicked all the Jews out really. And then uh, they named it after their enemies, is how it got its name, really. But they uh, came to the land of the Hebrews, uh, Israel, and the land of the Jews, and so on. And they, but they went everywhere, and their plan was that they would bring the culture of almighty Rome, the eternal city, they called it, and they would bring it everywhere they went, and Roman culture would be there. Well, actually, that's a picture of the ways of the Lord in the gospel and the kingdom of heaven. You come down, and it's like churches if they're on the ball, they're an embassy of heaven. I know it's possible for a church to be an embassy of hell, right? But it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be an embassy of heaven. So uh, when we're thinking about that, uh, we, we talked about uh, what the uh, gospel had to say and what Jesus had to say and what Paul had to say about the kingdom of heaven. And I said a few things, uh, at hybrid, a couple of uh, things from Paul. Kingdom of heaven is not in meat, not in drink, not in holy days, not in honoring Sabbaths, not in, actually, not in all the stuff that we'd call religious, right? Actually, it's something else. It's the presence of God, it's the power of God. And yeah, 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 we do need some disciplines in our lives, right? Because Christian discipleship, the Christos bit, is about the presence and the power of God. Christos is the anointing or God's presence. Jesus Christ was the bloke who was that, yeah? He was God amongst us. And so this is just, what I'm thinking I'm saying is real straight up ordinary Christian orthodox doctrine. It might seem strange to you, and perhaps you need to hear more of it, yeah? So it doesn't sound so strange. So all of that is uh, also to say that in amongst all that, you're saying that's not what it is. That's not the kingdom of heaven. It's not. Uh, what is it? Well, we get lots of indicators because Jesus made the comment that unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom. All right, this is kind of, we just can't, we're blind to it. Uh, there's other comments that the kingdom of heaven is or will be within us, comes amongst us, very collective thing. The uh, Hebrew world and actually uh, indigenous New Zealand, Maori world's the same. They don't actually understand the concept of individuals the way that we are, all trained as individuals. They always understand themselves to be part of a group. So I'm not just Don right? I don't just stand alone, actually. I'm Don connected with Jordan and then connected with Chrissy, and, uh, and I'm, I'm husband of this wonderful lady, and, and I'm part of the Pukiko Community Church. Ah, yes, and our town does have the V8 supercars back again, 
right? I was saying to somebody, I'm a fellow with this guy here who also went to high school in Christchurch. So I've uh, been around New Zealand a bit in my uh, upbringing. And uh, I remember in high school listening to uh, roaring engines and they were the car races at Pukekohe on the radio, right, in those days, yeah, so when, now living in the town, it comes back, I think, yeah, this, it's right, it's in my upbringing that you've got the V8 supercars in Pukekohe. Uh, we're part of a huge growth area in New Zealand, part of uh, Auckland, uh, are probably about to double, they reckon, in the next 30 years, uh, and then some of you know the geography, but from Pukekohe to Drury, takes about 15, 20 minutes to drive, there's a new high school, Catholic high school, uh, about to get going, uh, the college where Jonah Lomu went to school, Wesley College, they've sold uh, several hundred hectares of it, and it's going to be like a whole extra town, lots and lots of houses, give you a number, 10,000 houses being built in five stages, now that's a big New Zealand city all by itself, but they say over the 30-year plan, uh, there will become across that corridor, Drury to Bukikau, and if you've never heard it, look on the map, it's not very big, 55,000 houses, new houses coming in. So there's a lot of building, you know, there's a lot of uh, things going on, and uh, they're having to have infrastructure, because where does all the water come from, where all the drains go, and ah, yeah, this huge, so uh, it's actually all fun. Uh, we are the breadbasket of New Zealand, uh, the majority of uh, what gets produced and you eat it, that comes out of the ground, so uh, we've got good ground. Good things grow on good ground, and we've got good climate, and got good water, and yeah, you probably eat our potatoes and onions and a few other things if you're wondering where it all comes from. Yeah, so that, that's a little hometown for us. I want to say uh, just a quick thing, because I'm going to hand over to Jill, about the kingdom of God uh, connecting to my life. Uh, from when I was a little kid, I was always interested in God. I don't know whether kids have naturally got more of a bent, but I was always fascinated. What's God doing, yeah? What's he kind of up to? I kind of fascinated. I wasn't always a good boy, but I was certainly a God boy, interested in uh, what God was doing. And uh, when I was about seven or eight, we were raised in a church mission environment. We were about seven or eight, made a commitment in our life to God. And, and actually, on my way home, it was a Sunday afternoon. We had Sunday afternoon kids stuff. Lived in Palmerston North, and I think I would be a year two kid at school. Just around about coming up. What, when do you turn that? Seven? About seven, yeah. And on my way home, like heaven opened up, and in my ear I could hear sort of angel choirs, and I've been back to check, and I went all the way home. And I've been back to check, and you know, we were tough in those days, I guess, but it was about a half-hour walk home. I figured it was probably well over a mile in those days, about two kilometres, I guess. You can, half an hour to walk two kilometres? A bit slow, perhaps. Yeah, but, but, but boys do sort of think about other things and walk a bit slow at times, except <laughs> when they're running. And uh, I just thought it was fascinating. My mum is a, uh, was a commissioned uh, uh, colonel in the Salvation Army, and uh, I get home and tell her the story. And I, I'm not sure what your mum or most mums would do with a story like that of a little boy saying he committed his life to the Lord, for one thing. Uh, there's the tune uplift. So I'm just about to finish this. And then uh, she... She, her comment was uh, that all heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents. And I thought, what a good answer for a mum to give to a seven-year-old boy who's had a divine encounter. Yeah? So I've, I've decided that actually kids are not just strange. They're not otherworldly. They're real-worldly. They are connecting strongly with heaven and playing with their mates. And, you know, sometimes you might think they're a bit naughty or whatever else it is, but they're also out there and they can, they're aware of the heavenly realm and connecting with it. And uh, our, our world, our styles uh, drive it out of them, I think. I, I had another divine encounter when I was about uh, uh, twice as old as that. I had my first motor car at the time, and it was a shiny black Citroen. So there's, there's a lot of uh, history and nostalgia in this with shiny black Citroens. And I, I was, uh, hmm, yeah, crashed the car, rode it off. <laughs> bashed my head on the steering wheel. It's a steel steering wheel. And for about three days, I had a shape like that over there. And I went to see the car afterwards because it was, it was a write-off. <laughs> you don't hit your head on a steering wheel like that and get away with it. Anyway, and it was bent right over. I thought, well, I wonder, wonder why I didn't smash my chin on where the, you know, the middle of it is. Anyway, so that was the story. And at that time, I had a real clear sense. You know how the good hit over the head might bring you to your senses? Anybody ever had that? So... I had that, <laughs> but the sense that I got was very strongly that I wasn't dead, that, was, that wasn't the main thing, but I had a clear purpose to my life. 
I was, I was sure that I didn't die because I was meant to be doing something useful. And I'm pretty sure that the fact you're still alive in this room right now and breathing is because you're supposed to be doing something sensible, something useful, and so on. And maybe some of you do need a head over the head. Uh, now, just saying, just saying, um, you know, no, don't, it's not part of the prayer line, lady. You don't have to come up and we'll sort you out, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't always sort you out. It could go either way, right? <laughs> could just be grumpy with us when we if that was to happen and then a third of my life later I was in, in my early 20s um had turned 21 already and about this time of the year it was uh I uh, encountered the Lord in a way I had a really pressured time I was just uh, finishing up my last year as a, uh, a student and uh, so, uh, so on and I, I uh, was overwhelmed with all sorts of troubles and difficulties and grumpy about this and bothered by that and anxious. And there was a guy I knew who uh, was unusual in those days for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues and pray for people for the sick and the power of God was evident amongst it. Very unusual, very controversial uh, back then when I was about that age. And I went round to see him, had some prayer. I had a breakthrough, huge peace arose out of me. A lot of the rubbish went away. So actually on June that year, I became a Pentecostal, I suppose you could say. Uh, then on July, the next month, so that's the one that starts in about a week or so's time. Next Sunday's already July. Uh, I, I got baptized by full immersion in water. The group that I had been raised in, fervent Christian stuff, actually didn't do it, didn't believe in uh, water baptism or actually any kind of baptism. And so they just silent on the subject. It was weird. Except if anyone got baptised, they weren't so silent, because <laughs> that was controversial as well. So I just wanted to point out those one, two, three, like and, and encounters for me of the presence of the Lord coming through and really changing things. And since then, we've been involved in all sorts of stuff, and it's caused there to be uh, miracles of various kinds arrive, certainly after I received the uh, Holy Spirit. And I, I found that in the whole realm uh, of music, uh, some of you know I'm a, a trained uh, classical musician, and in the whole realm of music, uh, suddenly just all the lights went on, right? And I thought, I do remember back to hearing that heavenly choir. Um, I've heard some great music on earth, but I tell you, it's not as good as a heavenly choir and I remember it from all those years uh, but for me it just launched forward and I've actually talked to a lot of creative people since that, that what difference has it made to you and all sorts of things happen the lights go on the lights go on and uh, uh, Bible tells us that it actually means you can think more clearly uh, for my case I, be, I was uh, having a shot at quite a, a high and difficult exam and uh, wasn't sure I was going to pass. Anybody ever done that? You got a high and difficult exam, you paid your fee, and you're going to pass this. So this is July of the year, the exam's in September. Uh, the result of it was I, I did pass, and I uh, fin then finished that year really with a, a couple of diplomas, not um, just the one. And one of them was good enough that would let me into Oxford University at a master's degree level, so it wasn't chicken feed, right? And uh, I can tell you that in that connection, I'm fairly sure... I wouldn't have cleaned it up without having that breakthrough in the Spirit of the Lord, right? Because the Spirit of the Lord, the Bible tells us, brings wisdom to us, brings revelation to us, and causes the kingdom of heaven to open up around our lives. Yeah, now down track, it might turn you into a, a person who lives a decent moral life, but that's the byproduct rather than the thing you're trying for, yeah? And uh, a whole lot of other things. It might well be that you can pass exams that you couldn't. Now, since that time, we've encountered a number of people who have had bother and difficulties, and we've prayed for them, and they get amazing breakthroughs. Could hardly get past any kind of formal study at tertiary level, some prayer, and then they can. In fact, one guy, he uh, was on the second course, he's late 20s. He'd studied as a younger guy, and he had really worked hard to pass his chef's course at the Polytech, a mixture of professional and practical work. And uh, he'd, he'd done it, and he succeeded and got his diploma and got jobs and stuff. And then he was later on at Bible College, and uh, he was really working hard, slogging it out. Now, you might have friends like this, or you might have been like that, and he would fall over the line with a C plus or a C minus. And then he would go again. He didn't fail. He worked hard, actually. And uh, at one stage, he wanted some prayer because he was decided just from hearing the message of the gospel of the kingdom of heaven, presence of the Lord, that this could be changed perhaps. 
if the spirit of wisdom would get on his life and make a difference. Anyway, it was Jill, and I'm just about to introduce Jill and be quiet in a moment. Uh, she prayed for him and was prayed for him laying on of hands, and as she was praying, she really felt something going on inside his head. And she said, oh gosh, I think there's something going on inside of your head as I'm praying. I think actually the neural pathways are switching around and changing over and, and uh, things are getting realigned and changing. And the guy's saying, oh yeah, there is something going on in my head. I wonder what this is all, you know, right? You know, something going on, right? From then on, he never got less than an A in his studies. Wow. Yep, I just put it out there. We can measure these things in down-to-earth terms. Enough from me. I just want to say, God bless you, and here's Jill. She's a great preacher. <laughs> Thanks, son. <laughs> so the kingdom touches down. The kingdom is real. The power of it may be invisible because God is spirit, and the King of glory, Jesus, is now seated in heavenly places, and he is spirit. But the visible effects of the kingdom of heaven land and manifest in and through our lives when we align ourselves with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I reckon that many believers these days, God is inviting out of the fringes to take a clear stand and to stop having a bob each way. We, you know, doesn't relate anymore. No. Yeah. Let me read a scripture. It's not the one I gave you, Maddie. Sorry. Um, 1 Kings 18, Elijah, the famous prophet, went before the people and he said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. You know, it's not an altar of Baal or an idol that we might be worshipping, but there are so many things that are competing for our allegiance, for our focus, for our attention, and, and actually are making demands on us to be the higher authority in our lives. And we need to be discerning. We need to wake up in the Spirit. We need to have an encounter like Don had you know, not, not once in a while, but we need to live in that place of opening up to God um, that he would awaken us to the real life of life in the kingdom so that we can be discerning and make wise choices. Yeah, it's a time to be positioned for the kingdom, in the kingdom, under the king of kings. How long will you waver? And some of the stuff that we have to choose from is subtle influences that would erode our confidence to take a sure and a clear and a settled stand. Yep, so that leads me to um, the thing I gave you, Maddie, Ephesians 6. I just want to read a little bit from there. I touched on Ephesians this morning. And then I want to talk to you real briefly about what is it to live prophetically. Elijah was a prophet of the Lord. And every one of us is called to live like a prophet in the Lord, uh, of the Lord, in the sense that we are to stand on the platform of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the realm of authority that God has given us. And we become the connection point between the kingdom being in heaven or a potential that exists for our world touching down, landing, shifting, and changing things and bring divine order that shifts and changes, redeems and restores the world all around us. But it starts with us saying, I will be a doorway. I will be a representative of God, and I will stand on the mountain God's given me. For Elijah, on that day, everyone around him, all of the demonic powers, all of the religious opinion of the day, all of the people of the land, the culture of the day says that's not the mountain that you are allowed to stand on. That belongs to Baal. But God said, every mountain belongs to me and you are my representative and I have set a platform for you in that place, a place of authority. And if you will stand there, you will become a portal a vehicle, a pipeline, whatever it is, 
for heaven to come down and make adjustments on earth. You've got a mountain to stand on. Maybe nobody out there in famous world will ever know about you. But if you are obedient to the high calling of God on your life, you'll be famous in heaven. More than that, you will live the life that you were called to live. You will be an overcomer in this life and therefore a ruler in eternity in the place that God's prepared for you. We learn to rule and reign in the here and now, in the light of eternity and under the light of heaven. That's living prophetically. Okay, I'll get to some of that in a minute. But Ephesians 6, um, verse 10, just a couple of bits from there I want to read. Oh, chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. There's a stand to take. The kingdom advances forcefully. The kingdom advances intentionally. You know, that, that phrase, it's, it's not that we're being militant in a, in a crazy earthly sense, but it advances forcefully because it's advancing against invisible walls of opposition. Now, if you're in the kingdom, you will advance not into a wide open vacuum that's all planted with flowers and it's got a lovely couch for you to lie on. No, you will advance against a buffer of invisible opposition, but that's the kingdom. And if you will take your stand and arise to your call, you will break through. Doesn't sound inviting. I can see people cringing. Oh, oh, no. No, no. I can't remember it is. I must look it up because I've had this phrase. It's kept coming back to me the last couple of weeks. And I know it's a demon speaking to me, saying, and, and it's in the scripture. Someone said it to somebody once. I'm very good at details. Don't speak to us of the Holy One of Israel. And I hear that flying by and I say, shut up. I'm going to speak loud about the Holy One of Israel. I can feel an accusation, you know, that's in the atmosphere. And I think a lot of you have felt this pressure. Oh, I just better, oh, oh, I just better back off. Maybe I just need to adjust my expression. Maybe I need to tone it down. It might not be that obvious in the front of your mind, but come on, we need to take our stand. We need to find the mountain the ground of authority that God has given us, and we need to take our stand and put our armor on and not be pushed back by a spirit of intimidation. Be strong in the Lord. Don't worry if you don't have mighty power because it says be strong in his mighty power. That's the faith connection. Yeah? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but about uh, against powers. But the greatest power in the universe backs us, goes before us, comes beside us. Then it talks about putting on the full armor of God because we wrestle against spiritual forces. And then in verse 14, it says, stand firm then. And another version, it says, having done all, stand. Stand. So I want to say to you prophetically today, don't waver between two opinions. Choose to serve the Lord, to run after God, to uh, lay hold of every promise that he's given you, to step through every door of opportunity, to engage with every battle that you encounter with bold faith and determination. Yeah? Don't waver. Don't be double-minded. Today, there's an invitation out. Come on. Double-mindedness has to be repented of, I guess, turned away from. And we need to get the single-minded faith uh, focus that we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to take our stand. And I don't. some of you probably weren't here this morning, but we need to do it together. There's some great teaching about marriage that um, Danny Silk has put out and other people. 
And here's the phrase, and it applies to every relationship. It applies to our relationship with God, with our spouse, with our friends, and it applies to our relationship as members of the body of Christ, a local church. And what it is, is that the day you decide to marry somebody, you choose them. And in the choosing of your partner, you unchoose forever everybody and anybody else has automatically been unchosen. And you make a covenant that cuts off alternatives forever. God has made a covenant like that with you and with me. He has signed a contract with us, made a covenant, and he says, I choose you. And he expects us, he invites us to choose him and unchoose everybody else. You know, according, you know, in terms of our church family, the place that God has positioned us to lay hold of our call and to express his call, I reckon there's a choosing like that needs to go on. For the season that God's got us in that place, we choose. And the thing that Danny says in his teaching about marriage is every single day we choose our partner. Every day. Every day you keep choosing Jesus. And that means you unchoose a whole lot of stuff. It removes lots of battles. It removes lots of hassle. Because in the choosing, you've set a path and you don't waver from it. You don't move off that um, decision. Yeah. Um, that's probably all I want to read from you. But verse 18 is so important. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. Pray in the Spirit because the kingdom is empowered by the Holy Spirit at work in our spirit and through us, yeah? You cannot enter the kingdom, live the kingdom, and work the work and the calling of God on you in the kingdom just out of your natural ability or your good intentions. You've got to wake up and stir up in the spirit every day. You've got to wake up your spirit person. And the best way I know how to do it is to pray in the spirit and to praise God and to declare the word of God out my mouth loudly. Cool? So I've got a few um, thoughts here about living prophetically. Elijah, his life, not just his ministry, his life expressed the God action in his generation undeniably, clearly, and powerfully. He was a person who offended the stuff that was against God's kingdom by his very nature and the anointing that was on his life. Living prophetically is a bold choice. And simply it means that you're living on earth in the light of heaven. You're living in time in the light of eternity. I'm just going to read a few little thoughts that I jotted down. Some of them I thought they were quite good and might have even come from God. See what you think. Here's a big thing. To live prophetically, you've got to turn up. Elijah might have had an amazing anointing, an amazing call. He might have had a gift to be able to hear the voice of God. But on the day, he had to turn up. And he had some significant divine appointments in his life. But he just didn't suddenly turn up one day before the king having not learned in his life to turn up for God every other day. The life God has planned for you is prophetic. It's not pathetic. But I want to say to you, you can feel pathetic. You can feel like a victim. 
you can feel like life is dragging you down and not that you are leading on the front foot, advancing and breaking through. And the way that you can choose to live pathetically instead of prophetically is to not show up to God, not show up in your life and to not take responsibility yourself to respond to God and be faithful to the life he's called you to live. There's not a single other person in this room is responsible to make the life God's called to you, you two, happen. I got some of those words in the wrong places. That might sound harsh, but you know, it's empowering. And it, it's, you know, understanding that dynamic has freed me from waiting to engaging. Yeah? From hoping and imagining to living the life that God has called me to live. Fantasy is all about actually. There's, there's a religious kind of thing that people get into that's like living in a fantasy world. It's got all the trappings and it's got words and it's got music maybe and it's got attitudes and stuff like that, but it hasn't got turning up, carrying responsibility and living the life of the kingdom in this life here right now. I've noticed that it has lots of comparing with other people it has lots of, oh, they're lucky. Oh, they get that. Oh, how don't come this and how come that? Oh, this is hard for me, but look at them over there. God's favor is on them. That's How did that happen? I'll try and be like, there's lots of comparison. It's a powerless place to live. God has offered us a life of victory, not a victim's kind of life. So here's some statements. Living prophetically is being fully present to God here and now. In the exact life that you're in right now. In the exact person you are right now. The exact circumstances. You can live powerfully and prophetically right here, right now. In fact, you're called to. It's realizing the significance of now in the light of heaven's perspective. In the light of God's faithful promises to you. The big picture and, you know, the whole cosmic story of the kingdom, yeah? Your prophetic destiny is already here. Your prophetic destiny is now, yeah? What you've maybe glimpsed in a vision or you've heard in a prophecy that's future, that, that isn't something that suddenly pops into being like it drops down like a bubble from heaven. No, that is connected to this moment and this decision and this shift and this act of saying, yes, God, and this act of carrying, picking up my responsibility um, for my life here and now and my response to God, yeah? Um, your prophetic destiny is interconnected with the people in your world right now, these people other people, people that you work with, your friends and so on. Your prophetic destiny began before you were conceived in your mother's womb. It's not out there somewhere, somewhere out there. It's not that. Although we live in a real world where the realm of the spirit and visions and dreams and hearing God's voice and visitations from angels is part of our real world now, we're not waiting on some imagined experience to start the life of destiny God's given us. The day you were conceived, it started. Now, will you engage and will you say yes and keep choosing day after day? I choose you, God. That's living prophetically. Living prophetically is embracing the opportunity to be the point of contact or, or connection or be an incarnation so that heaven manifests on earth. I already talked about that. Living prophetically includes learning to know and trust God's voice, receiving his guidance and plans every single one of us every day. Sometimes people put hearing God's voice in the category of having a religious experience. 
that I can hear God's voice and you can hear God's voice when you're driving in the car with your four screaming children, when you're sick with the flu, when you're at work and everything's happening around you. Hearing God's voice and a radical religious experience aren't, you know, one and the same. Give me the out there experiences with God that I can live off for a you know, a long time because something shifts and changes in a moment. But in my every day, I can hear my uh, the Lord's voice, whether I'm in a storm of opposition or whether, whether I'm in a season of favor. When I'm in a quiet place by a still river in a green pasture or whether all hell is breaking it loose in my church. Where the demons are flying around me trying to tell me to sh- sit down and shut up. I can still pause and you can still pause and hear God's voice and write down what he's saying. Your life right now is perfect conditions for living prophetically and walking with the Lord. Prophetic vision and connection gives meaning to the mundane and makes the seemingly ordinariness of our life sacramental. In other words, it brings the reality of Jesus into every single thing we do. Making the kids' lunches, tidying up the mess, being the very best worker on your job. It makes diligence and faithfulness and turning up on time sacramental. In other words, Jesus came into this ordinary life, embraced it and did it. Why is it above us or below us? Why is it beneath us if Jesus did it? It's living in the dark world with faith and confidence because not only do we have the light, but we bring the light no matter what's going on. It enables us to just stand when we've done all, even though things seem pretty crazy because we know it will work out in the end. So Jesus lived prophetically and we're encouraged to live like Jesus did. Entering, embracing fully the limits and possibilities of a specific time and place. Wellington, 2016. So for Jesus, it was whenever a historical date and time it was. Details are not mine. And we think, how amazing Jesus left his throne in heaven, came into a baby in his mother's womb, incarnation. Well, hello, Spirit of God comes into you in a specific time and place, puts you in that place, incarnation. Yes, it's got limits. Yes, there's inconvenience. Yes, it's human, but divine collides and sparks on the inside of humanity. That's kingdom. Um. He did live an ordinary life. He experienced and submitted to nurture, discipline, and training at home and in the temple. He grew in favor with God and man progressively. His life was infused by the rhythm of prayer, worship, and a study of scripture from birth. He was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit to be empowered to do his earthly ministry. He committed to significant friendships so that he could be successful in his call. Jesus did that. Jesus needed prayer and asked his friends to pray for him. The kingdom is corporate. Living prophetically is corporate. He embraced suffering for the sake of the kingdom. Hey, Fantasy is looking for every single circumstance, detail, and lovely thing to be laid on so you can say, yes, thank you, Jesus, you've answered my prayer. That is not the will of God. The will of God is that the perfection of Christ would be formed in you, that the call of God is placed on you, that you would be faithful in that to, so that the mystery and the wisdom of God would manifest through the church. You've got a bit to play. Be faithful. Turn up. Draw on the power of heaven. Be filled with the Holy Ghost. Embrace the relationships. Make friendships. Embrace the suffering 
for the joy set before you. Well done, good and faithful servant. Look at that, guys. Look how Wellington changed. Look at that revival that busted out. Look how laws were changed. Families were changed. Morality was shifted radically in your generation because you took your stand. You picked up your responsibility. You lived here and now in your life with God and through God and in God. That's living prophetically. Living prophetically isn't being some rock star minister who flies around the world and does things. It's not, it's not, it's not Hollywood. For every one of those people, they're living there, here and now that we don't get to see. The moments on the stage are moments in a here and now, in time, in human life. Obedient relationship with the Lord. He ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do too. We can. He was obedient to the will of the Father. And we're called to that too. As I said, he focused on the joy set before him. So, in summary... I want to encourage you to turn up. I want to encourage you to take your stand, especially where the enemy's been trying to push you off your mark. Especially where the enemy's been making you feel fearful, intimidated, anxious, lacking in confidence. Where the enemy's been trying to push you back and, and, and encourage you to make your world smaller, I encourage you to stand up as big as you can on the inside and find, it's like, I saw it this morning, it's like a chalk outline on the floor. You have a place to stand. Your place of authority, breakthrough and prophetic power is not the same place as Don or Alistair or anybody else. It's your place. And if you are trying to stand in someone else's place, you've left a vacuum. There's divine order in the kingdom. Turn up to your spot. Take your place. Do, do you get what I mean? I'm, I'm talking about a shift on the inside. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to break off some distractions. And he wants to bring some shifts in alignment right now. Uh, you know... Elijah had a, had a bit of an encounter with Queen Jezebel. And there's a demonic spirit that operates a bit like that to intimidate people. But behind it is this desire to usurp rightful and godly authority. To take somebody else's chalk line and say, I can do that better. Look at them. I reckon I know what they should be doing. I'm looking over there, criticizing, pulling them down. I, I think I'll step in there and have a crack. Now, that's usually a real subtle thing that results from not standing in your life fully and not knowing that it's not your destiny's not over there. It's not somebody else's ministry call life, job, whatever. You have yours. You need to fully stand in that space. Fill it up. And don't try and stand in somebody else's place. Fully stand in the place that God's prepared for you. And, and I want to emphasize that I already have. Embrace the responsibility that involves. For me, my most one of my, probably the most productive schools of the Holy Spirit that I lived through was when I was a mum at home with four small children. And I learned that my job was to be faithful and find God in that place and to bring kingdom as best I could to that place. And man, I had limited understanding about all that compared to now. But God led me. I asked him questions. My mum died when I was young. I didn't really know how to be a mum, but Holy Spirit taught me. The kingdom grounds, it lands, but that's living prophetically when we're connected from our life into the kingdom.
And, and I've written this down. It might have been in a slightly black and white moment, so forgive me. This is a more gracious moment right here, but I'll say it anyway. Embrace responsibility for your part fully. And the next line is, keep your nose out of other people's parts. We're called to live prophetically. We're not called to live critically. We are not critics of other people's walks with the Lord. We, we are not fruit inspectors of other people's lives. We are called to look to the Lord and, and do our bit and encourage one another. Are you with me? And here's the big thing. Don't renege. If you're a father, don't renege. Don't just be there in body, but turn up in the role of a father in your home. Be a warrior and a watchman over your family. Be the leader. Be the one who comes in and sets a high standard, who pursues God with everything that you've got to, to create a slipstream for your kids. If you're a mum, if you're a wife, if you're a worker, if you're a student, don't renege on the breakthrough of that season by not picking up the responsibility. I went through high school just drifting, playing, not having a clue what high school was about. I reneged on the opportunities of that season, and in later seasons in my life, I had to go back and pick up threads. Don't waste the season that you're in. Live in faith, live prophetically, live partnering with God, hearing and responding to His voice in partnership with others, and focus on the joy. And bottom one, embrace the fight. To live prophetically, you've got to see yourself as a warrior. I, I felt like when we were praising, I just felt like the Lord said, I'm raising mighty warriors. This, this church is going to be a church of mighty warriors who know how to stand in rank. I remember my dad was in the Second World War, and he would die for his mates, and they would die for him. Yeah? They stood in rank. But do you know what was their motivation? It was their mateship. It was their love for one another. Yeah? We can say we need to lay down a life for the cause, but it's love that actually motivates us. And God wants to build love among you. Yeah? Love of family. Love of the Lord that is very family in this church. Strong family feeling of belonging, of hospitality, of connection, of embrace, acceptance. But you see, at the same time as that, that is going to strengthen you to be an army. That you will come together and stand in rank and advance the kingdom. And should anything come against one of yours, well, look out because you stand together. done, but I think it would be good to make a response. I've got a feeling there are quite a few prophetic people in this room, and, and you know that you've got a gift of prophecy or that you perceive things that you hear from the Lord. Maybe you pick things up, sense things, see things in the Spirit. I want to encourage you today, though in Elijah's time, he was a man. Today, the church is Elijah. It's not a person. The church together is the prophet of the Lord. And we need every single one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating to strengthen, build, encourage, and equip the church. Bring your words of encouragement. When God shows you stuff, talk to Him about it. And pray it through. Your seeing and hearing from God should increase and build unity. It should lift faith and vision. If it's not, then the source is either the flip side of a gift. That's the negative carnal outworking of it, or it's demonic. God's calling you guys, everyone, every gift, every person to come together in this amazing unity. Take your stand. And every 
single member of this church stand and let your climb. Fill it up fully. In your life, fill it up fully. And don't waver. Don't waver. Thank you, Lord. Would you just stand up? I'll pass back to Jordan in a second. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, guys. Thanks, musicians. Thank you, Lord. You don't know me, and maybe I sound a bit strong. But one of my biggest battles has been fear and intimidation, trying to push me out of just being who I am and relaxing in that, but fully being who I am. And do you know what? That battle is every single person's. It's not just mine. And I want to pray for you right now, just for an impartation, not just, but for an awesome impartation of strength and grace and power in the Holy Ghost to arise. And and I, I just get this posture instead of being leaning back, but to stand up and to lean forward and to choose again. I say yes to you, God. I say yes to you in this life, here and now. I'm going to front up to this battle with faith, expecting and believing that you're involved in this, that you're speaking into it, that you're resourcing the enemy. Yeah. So just lift up your hands to the Lord, if you will. Thanks, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mumbi, engage with the Lord. He's here right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Name, no other authority, no other Lord. 